So it's impossible to escape the hype of recent years surrounding virtual reality. And with all that is going on, it's easy to forget this is not a new technology. Many of us in this room have been aware of previous hypes back in the 80s and 90s that have never really lived up to expectations. But unlike most people I talk to about virtual reality, I imagine everyone in this room will understand why. Because to quote Hubert Dreyfus in cyberspace, without our embodied ability to grasp meaning, relevance slips through our non-existent fingers. I'm going to talk to you today about my journey into making, sorry, I'm going to talk to you today about my journey into making immersive experiences and my engagement with phenomenology. Unlike most people working in VR at the moment, I am not a computer scientist or a games designer. I'm a sculptor and my journey began at art college just a few years ago. I had rather naively thought that when I was going, I was going there to train my hands and learn new skills. But if we put aside my disillusionment with art education for a moment and focus on what I was learning from the philosophy component of my course, you'll see that it, is, it was my interest in aesthetics and my need to understand what was happening in contemporary sculpture that really drove the direction of my work. As Marcus Lupertz puts it, there are almost no sculptors left. Everyone's preoccupied with events now. And I, want, I wanted to get to grips with why that was. <coughs> Up until the point I started my independent research, much of my reading had concerned hermeneutical aesthetics. And given where I was studying, that probably wasn't a surprise. A hermeneutical approach to art, the art image demands that it be treated as a contemplative object, important not because of its intrinsic aesthetic properties, but because of what it brings to play. The art image is valued not as an object in itself, but for what it facilitates, for its status as a mover of understanding. But that's just it, an image. It seems that much of what was being written concerned the visual and appearance, but as a, I'm a sculptor, and I wanted to see what's being said about touch and movement in the aesthetic sense. For a while, I became rather preoccupied with Anthony Gormley's rejection of hermeneutics. In his 2015 book on sculpture, he wrote, Understanding is not necessarily knowledge. Understanding comes from turning into our bodies rather than hermeneutics. 
that beings have got so good at, that translation of experience into language. My return to the body is not about re representation. It is an attempt to engage the, the total sensorum of consciousness. Gormley is one of the few British sculptors that I'd heard being discussed in terms of movement of the body, of passing through fields of body forms and entering into installations. So I began exploring some more felt aesthetics. I was interested in the intrinsic aesthetic properties as well, as what the gesture could, or form could bring into play. And this is where my background in neuroscience compounded the conflict within me. I was aware that in neuroaesthetics, an image or an object is usually considered in isolation and in controlled conditions. Therefore, to all intents and purposes, as far as photoreceptors are concerned, a moving image, moving around an, a sculpture, or is no different from rotating on a screen. I myself had spent many years sat in a darkened lab sticking electrodes into photoreceptors, dissected out of the animal and isolated in a little dish, as though that could tell us how they worked, but found the answers, but the answers I found there were unrewarding. Through reading Alvin Noe's response to those cognitive scientists that believed you are your brain and no more, that resonated with me much more than neuroscience ever had. His most recent work, Strange Tools, Art and Human Nature, focused on the power of art to reorganise us, to transform us in an occasion for active engagement, echoing Gadamer and Adorno, but broadening, his, broadening a definition of what art is. He says our lives are structured by organisation. Art is a practice bringing, for bringing our organisation into view. In doing this, art reorganises us. And this brings me to the two artworks I want to tell you about. In virtual reality, I found my perfect tool, my strange tool that I could use to explore movement and touch. The first, being in the gallery, was a practical response to a year-long research project where I considered the influence of phenomenology on changing sculptural practices. In this virtual reality piece, um, in this piece, a virtual gallery space was layered over a real gallery space in a one-to-one -one relationship to form a kind of mixed reality. Show you the video. This video shows a walk through um, the virtual gallery space. As the physical door is pushed open, so too, so too is a digital door. Quite badly. Um, Participant is free to enter the room and move around as they wish. The sculpture they see before them is a digital object made from approximately 100 photographs combined together using photogrammetry. The imperfections on the surface colour show as bumps and patchy areas. That the fingers on the left hand appear to be fused together is an artefact of the, of the algorithm left to show process. In the next video, we observe someone experiencing the artwork. The gesture of the sculpture can be read as an invitation to touch. And as the participant reaches out to touch the hand with theirs, they realise that what they see, that, that what they see and what they feel relate to one another, and they begin to explore the sculpture. So to return to Noe for a minute, if all this. Um, 
I created a space for radical boredom. In contrast to what everyone might expect from a virtual reality piece, nothing happens. There is no jump scare, no animation, not a beginning or an end. It was a gallery within a gallery, a space to be, a space to, be con to contemplate, an opportunity to become more aware of one's own being in relation to the artwork. I left it open for the participant to question whether the artwork was the sculpture or the immersive environment it was set within. It took putting on a VR set to make people aware that they were moving around a space. It took a virtual figure standing there before them, inviting their touch to make them aware of their touch. And this is the point where I start looking at, uh, it was to, to Mark Patterson, um, to find someone who's gauge, engaging in philosophical investigation of touch. Um, again, from he's mainly looking at uh, Merle Ponty and um, Walter Benjamin. For me as an artist creating the work um, with this com combination of art objects and immersive environments, I felt more aware of the sensuous knowledge involved in sculpting a figure as opposed to the, con to the concept or theoretical skills needed to create the environment. Sorry. Um, okay. Right. Sorry about this. I've got a bit lost. Um, the next next uh, work I'm going to talk about was vir completely virtual. Again, in a one-to-one -one scale, so the participant can move around, but it had a very different feel. Following on from the success of being in the gallery, I was commissioned to remake an artwork, a situation envisaged, uh, shown here, um, by the late David Hall for the Neon Digital Arts Festival as part of their Media Archaeology in exhibition. I worked closely with the archivist Adam Lockhart from the Rewind Collection, um, David Hall had left very precise instructions for his artworks, as you can see from this diagram here. Um, his mix of sculpture and video work was in his time groundbreaking, and a number of the works have been exhibited by the Tate. Adam, who knew the artist and his work intimately, curated the virtual artwork uh, in the virtual gallery space, guiding me um, to make it as authentic a reproduction as possible. Um, in being in the gallery, I... Um, Photogrammetry had been used to capture a digital copy of the sculpture, but in virtual halls, it was necessary to build the monitor stack digitally. So the noise you're hearing is what they would actually hear in the headset as well. As I only had access to one monitor, I had to make a digital asset of the monitor and stack them up. In, in the making, I wondered whether this would diminish the authenticity at all. Would it be more authentic to scan the monitor or build it afresh? Um, 
During the exhibition, a number of people who had experienced the, the David Hall work um, back in the 90s discussed with their thoughts on the virtual reality version. Interestingly, it was the little details that they noticed. The monitors were on a plinth, the size of a stack, um, that they moved closer to them than they would have in a real gallery, that the essence of the work was there, but it wasn't quite the same. It felt as if Yora was lost in the reproduction. And so, to conclude, um, I believe that embodied creation is the way we need to go forward. Making immersive environments um, and artworks inside virtual reality, rather than making them on a monitor and then sticking them in, we need to be making them in the space and using aesthetic principles as we did with sculpture and painting. Do you have what authenticity would mean? 
Yeah, so when I was making it, because I had, it was a commission, so I had a quite a strict brief as to what they wanted. They wanted it to be as accurate as possible. So initially I tried using photogrammetry because then it's a photograph of an object. And that has this sense of, yeah, it's a digitization of a, an, an analog object, but it is, it's close, right? And then I thought, well, I could use a scan. That's, that's almost as good. But both of those didn't work because of the, the nature of the, um, I don't know if you remember the old TVs, the way they used to be, they had this kind of funny texture to them and it bounces light all over the place, so it actually doesn't work. Um, so I tried to keep it, but then I, was, I measured very precisely and I sort of basically did a reproduction of the monitor as closely as I could. I had it there, I was measuring, I was trying to put it all in the right place. And then I took photographs um, of the monitor to sort of kind of clad the outside with. So I was trying to use as much of what I had in the real world to put into the virtual. So from a making point of view, it felt like I was doing the best I could. And in terms of the, the monitor, um, I, if you go back, let me go back. Um, when, you, when they kind of peek behind, because people do, they peek behind the... Um, just play it when people peek behind the, um, the stack, um, I've tried to make something of a curve. It didn't really... It was hard to get a curve, um, but that was the idea. And in order to... I know it, doesn't, it looks like quite a simple, small space, but you actually needed to have three channels um, in each monitor. So there were three different lights passing through because the way he created it, he had red, green, and blue. And so I had to put red, green, and blue in again. I wanted to keep it as... I know it's not pixelated in the same way his would, but I tried to get as close as I could. But it's not... I know it's not authentic. I know, but it's... I'm trying to do it as a documentation rather than a reproduction, I think. And, and that's how I felt. It felt like it was more documentation. Interestingly, um, I would have thought that until a few weeks ago, and then I met um, someone working in games, and he was talking about um, games, so massive sort of um, games where you can walk around the world, it's like World of Warcraft, that kind of thing. <coughs> he was talking about them being as real as real life, because they have an effect on us, and a cultural effect. So, up until then, I would have thought it was like, it wasn't, but then now I'm starting to think of it as more, it's real because it's the way we interact with it. to slideshow. Slideshow. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. I see. Oh. Well, um, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks uh, a lot for being here. My name is Timon Lee. I'm from China and now a visiting graduate student at uh, University of Cambridge. Um, today, I'm going to talk about um, a phenomenological account of um, an artistic issue of ready-made, which um, ha has been quite um, intriguing and decisive in the, uh, in the analytic discussions about um, artworks and um, for the um, 20th century artistic theories. But it seems to me that um, it's a little bit weird that phenomenologists have just paid um, very little attention to this question before the 1990s 